you are listening to United by Fitness. Thank you for listening to the United by Fitness podcast. We are a gym in North Vancouver, British Columbia, and we provide personalized fitness coaching both on-site and remotely. Whether you're listening to us as you drive or walk the dog or clean the house, we're grateful that you've chosen to hang out with us. Our endeavor with this podcast is to provide you with simple and well-researched tools that you can use today to improve your health and fitness. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with someone who may also appreciate it. And if you're interested in learning more about our gym or looking for some coaching, please check us out at our website or Instagram, which are linked below, or swing by and check out the gym. We'd love to meet you. Now, without further ado, let's jump into today's session. Welcome back, friends, to the third episode of the United by Fitness podcast. I am your host, Jesse Moda, and today I am joined by Cheyenne Bahayanagar, who is our owner of OPEX North Shore. And uh, if you are a client here at OPEX, you know him well, an experienced coach, a good man. Cheyenne, why don't you say hi to the people? Thanks for the introduction, Jesse. Appreciate it. Uh, hi, everyone. Very excited to be here for the third uh, episode of United by Fitness podcast. Uh, we've had a ton of fun recording these, and I hope uh, everyone's enjoying them. Absolutely. Today, we are um, going to be talking about a topic that I have been looking forward to for quite a while, and that is what are we talking about, Cheyenne? Sleep. And that is an understatement. This man has been <laughs> licking his chops about this uh, this podcast, and uh, he's very passionate about the subject. And, and I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, sleep sleep is uh, a very very important tool uh, that comes into play for life in general. But then, if we're going to hammer on fitness and and performance goals, uh, it's it's just it's a gold. Absolutely. Yeah, so like just to get things started, like sleep is one of the most absolute important things that you can do for your health. Like that's not an understatement. You, um, when you were a child, you learned how to move. Um, as you grew up, you learned how to challenge your muscles and what proper foods to eat. And so those things are choices that you've learned, but your body has always known how to sleep. You came out as a baby needing to sleep. So it's something that is so natural that our body needs to do. And it's uh, interesting how much we don't know about that process in our day to day. And we just kind of take it for granted and we don't know how to do it well. So today our endeavor is to break down a bit about what sleep is and give you all some simple and effective tools that you can start using tonight to improve your sleep. Yeah, so to build off of what you're saying, Jesse, uh, I would like to think with my 10 plus years of experience in the fitness industry that the I'll sleep when I die mentality is decreasing in today's culture. But I feel like quality sleep is very underrated. Um, sleep and sleep related prescriptions, just like fitness, need to be personalized. The recommendations around the subject will be different for general population than, let's say, firefighters, police officers, soldiers in the military, and so on. 
So at OPEX North Shore, when a client sits down with uh, a, their coach for their initial consultation, we ask about their sleep hygiene, if they're getting uninterrupted sleep every night, how they feel upon waking, and all of those have an effect on whatever their goals are. Absolutely. And just on the back of what Sean was saying, like the whole sleep when you're dead mentality, well, the reality is that if you think that you're just going to sleep when you're dead, you're going to be dead a lot sooner than if you actually prioritize sleep. So don't undervalue uh, getting that seven to eight hours, which we'll get into in a moment, uh, because it is so important. And I just want to touch on how uh, wakefulness and sleeping are closely tethered together. Basically, what you do while you're awake affects uh, when you fall asleep, it affects how quickly you'll fall asleep, it affects whether or not you'll stay asleep, and also how you feel when you wake up in the morning. Um, so the first thing you want to look at if you want to improve your sleep is what you're doing in the daytime, because the daytime affects the nighttime. So in an ideal world, daytime and nighttime, they're meant to be, you're meant to be awake and moving and doing your work and living during the day. And at nighttime, you should be sleeping. So you're vertical during the day when the sun is up and when the sun is down, you're horizontal, you're sleeping. When we start getting outside of that natural rhythm, that's when we start to encounter problems with sleeping, um, with health. And so if possible, it is best practice to be um, sleeping when the sun is down and up and wake, waking when the sun is rising and when it's about to set. And there's a difference in quality of sleep from, let's say, when you sleep at 9 p.m. to 5 a.m., than as opposed to 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. There's a lot of magic that happens in that first window of getting more sleep before midnight as opposed to less sleep before midnight. And I'm a big believer that you can't hack Mother Nature. As Jesse opened up the, the podcast, you know, we, when we're born, we're, we already know how to sleep. We already, it's already wired in us. And each stage of sleep plays an important role in regards of your health. When you take the circadian rhythm into consideration, which we talked about last episode, you shouldn't fight biology on this through seeking sleep hacks. The end result leads in less productivity and disease. Yeah, and let's talk about a bit what happens when you lay your head down on the pillow at night. So if you haven't um, done much research around sleep, uh, this is just going to be a very simple explanation of the stages that your brain and body goes through throughout nighttime. So you've heard it before. There's two types of sleep. We have REM sleep and non-REM sleep. REM sleep stands for rapid eye movement, and non-REM is obviously non-rapid eye movement. The non-REM sleep is generally what we classify as deep sleep, and the REM sleep is where you have a higher brain activity and where you're gonna be doing more of your dreaming. So going back into our non-REM category, that is further divided into four categories. Stage one, two, three, four. Pretty simple. 
Um, now, stages one and two of non-REM are going to be your lighter sleep. When you go to bed at nighttime, as you drift off, you're going to be entering in to stage one and two of non-REM. They can last for maybe about 20 minutes each. And then you will gradually move into stages three and four, which are your deep sleep. Um, as you move from stage one to stage four, your brain activity is slowing down and your depth of sleep is increasing. You will then stay in stages three and four for maybe about generally 20 minutes each. And then you will start to climb back up three, two, one, and then come into REM sleep, that more higher brain activity where you may experiencing uh, the dreams that you may remember in the next morning. And then that cycle that I just explained, going from non-REM down into the non-REM deep sleep and then coming back up and then going into REM, that cycle generally takes 90 minutes. And all night long, when you're laying in bed, your body is just going through that cycle every 90 minutes over and over again. Now, here is where the difference happens. The first half of the night is primarily going to be non-REM focused. So you're going to spend most of the 90 minutes in the non-REM deep sleep. And that time is where your muscles and your systems and tissues are going to be restored and your dream content is going to be less emotional. In the latter half of the night, so in the first four hours is what I just talked about, in the second four hours, so basically from midnight onwards, um, you are going to be primarily in REM sleep. That 90-minute cycle will incorporate more of that high activity, um, more dreaming state. And during that time, your body is completely paralyzed. Your brain shuts down everything to keep you safe so that when you're dreaming about you being a pro skydiver, you're not actually going to jump out your window. Your body is going to keep you safe. And the only thing that's moving during that time is your eyes underneath your eyelids, hence rapid eye movement sleep. Your dreams here tend to be more emotional. Um, and that thus is going to be a recovery time for your emotions. Um, and it's going to help you feel more emotionally centered the following day. So to build on that, if you are um, going to miss the first four hours of the night or the first half of your sleep, which is the non-REM, you'll probably feel more physically tired the next day. If you were to miss the second half of your night, like you had to get up extra early to go to work, you may feel hyper-emotional and a little bit edgy because you've lost out on that uh, emotional healing sleep. So just know that uh, that is the general layout of what happens as you sleep and you need both categories of sleep to be fully rested and recovered for your waking period. Now, some of you are thinking, Jesse, like you're nerding out on me too much. Why is this important? How is this important to my life and my goals? So if I can circle back and bring this to the clients that sit in front of us at OPEX North Shore, um, a lot of them have body composition goals, performance goals, and so quality sleep and amount of sleep comes into play. During sleep, your hormones restore themselves. This allows for better quality training, reduced cravings, uh, so on and so forth. So during sleep, your hormones will restore themselves. Adequate sleep will decrease your amount of cortisol, regulate insulin, increase your amount of growth hormone, 
and you'll have an easier time to lose body fat stores. You'll have better quality training, reduced cravings, the list goes on and on and on. Now, other than physical attributes, if you want to perform optimally as a CEO, a parent, a teacher, you need to be mentally acute. You need to recharge the so-called battery, also known as your central nervous system. And no amount of caffeine can replace a good night's sleep. <laughs> Absolutely. And to just continue on with that, when it comes to caffeine, like you may be the person that says, oh, I sleep fine at night. I can have a coffee at 5 p.m. or I can have a coffee before bed and I still sleep fine. Caffeine doesn't affect me. Or maybe you say, yeah, I have like four cups of coffee during the day and I still sleep fine at night. Here's the first thing. We love coffee, right, Cheyenne? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but we're not telling you not to drink coffee because we all enjoy a good cup of coffee. Totally. I would not be recording this podcast if I didn't have my morning coffee. Um, but what we want to say is that the amount of caffeine is what's going to dictate whether it's good or bad or how much it's going to affect your sleep. And there's an important chemical compound in our body called adenosine. Adenosine. Okay, so what the heck this thing is, um, adenosine basically is your tired signal. When you wake up in the morning, adenosine levels in your body are very low because you've just had a full night's sleep. As you go through your day, your adenosine levels rise. And that is why as you get towards evening or even late afternoon, you start feeling slower, sleepier, because your adenosine levels have been rising all day long and they are telling your body, I'm tired and I need some sleep. Now, what caffeine does is, you may know, some of you may know this, but caffeine doesn't necessarily give you more energy. What caffeine does is these lovely coffee beans soak into your system and they come into the parking spots where adenosine would be parked. The adenosine that tells your body that it's tired. So these sneaky little caffeine beans, they park in adenosine spot so that adenosine can't park there and they block the tiredness signals from getting into your body. The tired signal isn't able to get through because caffeine has taken its spot. But once caffeine detaches from those spots, that's when you get the caffeine crash. There's a huge traffic jam of adenosine waiting to get in. <laughs> and you crash and you get tired. Okay, now this is the moment you've been all waiting for. What is the rule of thumb when it comes to caffeine? Take your bedtime and count 10 hours back. Eight at the most, but 10 is a good guideline. That's when caffeine should be cut out of your day. Going past that, Studies have shown that the depth of your deep sleep is sacrificed. This will have a long-term effect on longevity. You might be the person that say it says, well, I sleep through the night after having coffee in the evening, but you will wake up not feeling completely restored, which will lead to you reaching for more coffee that next day. On the back of caffeine, now let's talk about another substance. What about alcohol? And yeah, to reference back to the vicious cycle I was talking about where you're reaching for more coffee the next day, then that might lead you to reaching for alcohol at nighttime to help you relax and fall asleep. Now, what happens when people have a couple of glasses of wine or a couple of beers with dinner or before bed? Let's get into that. Alcohol is a sedative. One of the common mistakes is that alcohol is used as a sleep aid. People think it helps them fall asleep. A little nightcap. A little nightcap. But that's not the case. 
Alcohol is knocking your cortex and sedating you. Sedation is not sleep. You're losing consciousness. You're not falling asleep. Your sleep will also be disrupted as alcohol will have you waking up more throughout the night. When you wake up the next day, you're not, you're not feeling restored again, and therefore quality sleep is out the door with alcohol intake. Alcohol is also a REM sleep blocker. We previously mentioned all the magic that happens during REM sleep. You are missing out on that self-generating therapy during REM sleep. Yeah, and it's not just alcohol that does this. Marijuana, in particular the THC component in marijuana, um, has a very similar effect to alcohol. So both alcohol and marijuana can help you fall asleep, and that's why Sometimes people use that in the evening to help them fall asleep if they have the, if they have problems drifting off. But like Cheyenne said, what will happen is that you will wake up three to four hours later and then you may have a harder time falling back asleep because the reality is that the way that marijuana and alcohol have you fall asleep is not uh, natural. Like if you were to look at the nerdy brain waves of what's happening, it's not lining up with the ideal drifting off to sleep. So it's... It's essentially a non-ideal way to be falling asleep. And marijuana, just like alcohol, can block your REM sleep, which is why sometimes uh, people will experience wild dreams in the later half of the night or if they sleep in and they have a few hours extra sleep, they'll experience really wild dreams at the end of their night because the REM sleep that was supposed to be earlier on in the night was built up because the marijuana or alcohol was preventing it from happening naturally. And again, with marijuana, um, and I mean, like we're talking about THC, which is the psychoactive ingredient, which would get you high. You can also have CBD, which is the one that would not be the non, the non psychoactive, which is not making you high. Um, but if you are using the THC, your body can become dependent on that THC for sleep. And eventually you're going to require more and more to get the same effect to drift off and to sleep well. And when eventually you want to stop using it, there can be a really tough withdrawal period, which can include some severe insomnia. So using it isn't ideal for sleep, and then getting off of it can be very difficult to sleep normally again after that. So caffeine, alcohol, and marijuana are all substances that you need to be careful on how you're using them, when you're using them, how much you're using them, because they really do affect the quality of your sleep. Okay, now let's start getting into some of those tools that you can use to start sleeping better tonight. Last episode, Cheyenne talked about your circadian rhythm. In particular, he talked about light exposure in the morning and evening times. Light outside is one of the most beneficial ways that you can set your regular rhythm and improve your sleep at night. So, the general guideline is that within an hour of you waking up or around sunrise, if you're up at that time, go for a 15-minute walk. Even if it's cloudy outside, like Cheyenne talked about last week, you're still going to get the benefits of that light exposure. And you want to do that again, maybe another 10 to 15-minute walk in the evening time uh, to get that sunset, uh, that horizontal light on the horizon. So ensuring that you see light in the morning and at night. Natural light 
is the first way that you can improve your sleep tonight. Now, on the back of that, once you've seen that sunset light, when you come back into your home, it's ideal to start limiting the light in your home, creating as much as you can kind of like a cave-like atmosphere, especially within an hour before bedtime. That's gonna be the most important window. In that time, limit all overhead lights. Try to just have a desk lamp, a floor lamp, something that sits horizontally and that is a, a mild level light or candles, but it's going to be um, low lighting so that your body continues to know that it is evening time. Now, for those of you that enjoy watching Netflix or scrolling on Instagram in the evening, just know that you don't need to give that up. The most important thing is that you still go for that 15 minute walk because that sunset exposure has already told your brain that it's evening time. So you don't need to give up that fun time of watching TV at the end of the day. Let's talk about some other helpful tools that you can use to increase your quality of sleep. If you are on electronics, you, another way is using a blue light blocker. You can give up that electronic device and pick up a book. True. Right? That'll help kind of calm the system down as well. Uh, you can journal. Yeah. I know you're a big fan of journaling. Absolutely. Jesse. Journaling before bed is an excellent way to release thoughts and concerns that are stimulating your brain still without you even realizing that you're stimulating your brain. Um, so writing them down, it allows your brain to relax because it knows that that information will still be available the next day. You've basically like put it on a post-it note and you can come back to it the next day and your brain can relax. If you have a hot tub, you know, take use of that to, to help relax. If you don't have a hot tub, have a warm bath uh, to set yourself up for a great night's sleep. Uh, and now you're, when you go to bed, let's talk about your room. Uh, it should ideally be completely dark, optimally at 68 degrees Fahrenheit or 28 degrees Celsius. Just cool. Yeah, exactly. And as quiet as possible. Uh, I personally use an eye mask to make sure everything's dark. Diva. Not, yeah, I'm not, it, it actually says Diva on it as well. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. And then the most simplest tool that we still haven't touched on in this podcast we talked on last time is go to bed and wake up at the same time every day, which goes back to your circadian rhythm. For sure. And those are just some of the tools that you can start using um, to improve your sleep quality. Remember that what you do during the day affects your sleep quality at nighttime. Um, and then the last subject that we want to touch on today is a hot topic, one that I am passionate about, and that is naps. What the heck? Can we nap? Should we not nap? How long should we nap? What are the answers? So love me a good nap. <laughs> totally. Um, so here is the bottom line. Napping is completely fine. So for those of you nappers out there, yes, the crowd goes wild. But here's the thing. If you do struggle with or experience insomnia at any points where you find it hard to sleep at night, napping isn't best for you. So if you do experience that, do your best not to sleep during the day because what happens when you nap is that that adenosine that I talked about earlier, when you um, nap, you're essentially dulling the sleep hunger that's been building up, building up all day. So you're going to take the edge off of how tired you are. For those people that are dealing with insomnia, you need to 
continue to keep that tired signal as high as possible so you have more of a likelihood of having a good night's sleep. And just like caffeine, you shouldn't be napping too close to bedtime. So best recommendation is that you should be napping no later than six to seven hours before your bedtime. Um, so that, that adenosine can continue to build a little bit after your nap and it won't affect your long sleep at nighttime. And you've heard it before, shorter naps are generally better than longer naps. So I mean something like a 20 to 25 minute nap is ideal because you're not going to go down into the deeper levels of non-REM sleep. You're just going to stay in the one to two, the light sleep. And that way, when you wake up 20 minutes later, you're not going to feel groggy and out of it. And sometimes you've all experienced it, waking up feeling worse than when you took your nap. So for best practice, keep it 20 minutes, six to seven hours before bedtime at the latest. And if you have insomnia, do not nap. So it's 2 p.m. right now. You're saying I could still nap after this podcast. Afternoon naps are the best. So yes, totally. You can do that. Well, I think that's it. I think, you know what? We should all take what we've learned today. We still have, well, at our time, we still have the afternoon and evening to put some practices into place so we can sleep well tonight. But we hope you found this episode helpful. We will definitely be touching on sleep in the future. So stay tuned for more information on sleep. And if you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone who may also appreciate it. Until next time, thanks for listening.